heart is the problem. Now, I know that's a huge surprise to you. You know, we never talk about the human heart being a problem. The human heart is ultimately the, the, the source of all problems. When the people of this world do not see the kingdom of God, which is what these parables are teaching us about, when the people do not see the kingdom of God advancing in ways that brings hope and life and joy and certainty and, and, and passion, when people don't see that, you can be sure that the problem is in, is in the heart of God's people. You recall last Sunday we looked at the parable of the sower. Familiar, I think, to most of us, but what we considered a, a less familiar interpretation, I think, to many of us. Rather than interpreting, you remember, the soils as being representative of, of the heart condition of, of an unbeliever, uh, we went down a path that said, no, the soils represent the condition of the heart of a believer at different times, different circumstances in their lives, depending on, on what we may be facing, uh, the different soils that we learned about in that parable could be present in our lives, all of them at the same time. Remember, just very quickly, the hard, dry, crusty path, traditions, expectations, familiar places where where people travel, how life ought to be in the kingdom. Brothers and sisters, remember that the seed of the kingdom of God that Christ has planted in us as his people and calls us to invite others to, that seed won't grow on the hard, crusty paths of tradition in our lives. Tradition that is not open to newness. Tradition that is not open to freshness. Tradition that is not bound by God has to do it this way because that's the way that I've always learned it. Imagine that God is not subject to our traditions. That's just a novel idea. And remember, too, that it was traditions and the expectations that surrounded those traditions that got Jesus killed. It was because he was a king announcing a kingdom with values that were very different from the king and the kingdom that the people expected because of their traditions. When we find ourselves wrestling with the demands, not the suggestions, the demands of Jesus and wanting desperately to explain away what he means or to say that that applies to a different age, I would suggest that the seed is falling on hardened ground, falling on a path of tradition. And Jesus said that this path represents the message of the kingdom as it falls and doesn't stay there long because why? He says the enemy is always looking to snatch it away, to not give the newness of the life that Christ calls us to an opportunity to germinate and to blossom and to bring forth life 
within us and for others. There was the shallow soil. You remember that one? Hard, rocky surface underneath. Jesus explained this one. He said the rocks are troubles and persecutions that come as a result of following him. And we dare not think that God is going to spare us from hard things, from persecution and struggles related to to our faithfulness to him. If we do, then we better figure out a way to explain to the countless millions that have suffered for the name of Christ throughout history. And in fact, are suffering today as we speak in different countries around the world. Third soil was, was the weedy soil. Again, Jesus explained this one. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, This soil chokes out the life of God's kingdom that is planted within each one of us. It cannot grow. It cannot grow in a soil where God does not reign supreme. It cannot grow in a soil where the sovereignty of God is not trusted. And isn't that the bottom line for us? When we wrestle with the cares of this world and we wrestle with the deceitfulness of wealth and of riches, it boils down to our ability to trust God to care for us and to provide for us. And God is a God who wants to be trusted. And last, there's the soil that is just right. It's not too hot, it's not too cold. Wrong story. That heart has, has, that heart has tilled up the hard paths. That heart that is receptive to the seed of the kingdom, to the life of Jesus, to the calling to each one of his followers to embrace a value system that is upside down in the world's perspective, to embrace things that are not esteemed in the world's perspective. The heart that is ready to receive that is the heart that is convinced that God blesses for obedience. That God is the one who brings life from obedience. And so that heart is the one that has done the hard work of tilling up the hard paths, working around the stones and the rocky places, and pulled the weeds so that the life of the kingdom begins to grow in us and produces an abundant and, and healthy harvest. And so the question that we left with last week, do you remember? How do we deal with the different soil conditions of our hearts? If we, if we want to be people who, who want this abundance, if we want to be people who, who want the life of Christ to flow out of us and to impact the lives of those around us, how do we get there? How do we become a people that draw others to Christ by the life that we live? I want to suggest two tools. That's all. Just two. And you already have both of them. You want to guess? Jill, guess. Okay. The word Actually, there are two tools that we have control of. I'm hesitant to call the Holy Spirit a tool. Although I'm with you, 
I'm tracking with you. I, 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 I appreciate it. The word, definitely, it is a tool. It is, it is a tool that, that reveals God to us. And, and the other tool, you're going to love this. You ready? Look around. Look around. The body. If you want two Bs, it's the Bible and it's the body. It's just that simple or not. Depends on what you do with the tools. It really, really does, friends. If we want lives that clearly reflect the values of the kingdom of God, then we probably ought to commit ourselves to knowing God. And last I checked, the way that he has revealed himself most clearly is in this book. Now, you're sitting there and you're thinking, like me, this is a no-brainer. But evidently, it is not a no-brainer. When you, think, when you read some of the statistics that are out there done by the George Barnas and, and the Hunters and, and you know, the, the sociologists who, who study the, the, the tendencies and the trends amongst different religious groups, according to their statistics, Christians or those who claim to be followers of Christ are pretty illiterate when it comes to knowing God's Word. How can we be illiterate of the scriptures when they are the source of our revelation of who God is? It's a tool. If we want the abundant life to flow out of us, if we desire to have that soil that is tilled and and prepared, we need to be a people who are committed to the word of God be a people who give it more than just lip service. We need to be a people who are in God's Word. Let me just ask you, are you reading the Scripture regularly? Is it a part of your daily schedule? Is it a part of my daily schedule? You know, it's the kind of thing for those of us who have grown up in the church, we've heard this forever. And it's one of the first things that we quickly and easily move away from and forget. There is life that is found in the Word of God because in the Word of God, He has revealed Himself to us. And according to the writer of Hebrews, He has revealed Himself most clearly in Jesus. And that brings us back to where we are as we talk about the parables and we learn about what the kingdom of heaven is like and the value system that ought to to rule God's people we, we look at Jesus. We look at Jesus. And we listen to Jesus. His life and His teaching. Brothers and sisters, the, the scriptures are the most important tool we have for conditioning the soil of our hearts. And the Spirit of God takes what we put in with the intent, and can I say this, with the intent of knowing God. With the intent of knowing God. You know, I... I can think back on times in my life when, you know, I just, I was going to read for the sake of reading. I was going to memorize for the sake of memorizing. Because I want to know God's Word. Well, that's lofty. Unless I forget that the reason that I need to know God's Word is because that is how God has revealed Himself to me. And so, 
We need to be people who are students of God's word with the intention of knowing the God who has given us that word. Make sense? Okay, and you know that, right? Okay. Second tool, the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Other people that want the same thing that we do. If our desire is to to have that life, that soil that produces an abundant harvest, then we need to hang out with others who want that same thing. Fully devoted follower of Christ. I've heard that somewhere. Is that a familiar phrase to you? Fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. You can't do it by yourself. I can't do it by myself, and yet that's the American way. You know, we don't need help. We're independent. We, we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We find a way. We push through. And we push through right into a place where we don't experience intimacy and growth and vitality in Christ because we are determined to do it on our own. God just didn't design us that way. He designed us to be in fellowship, in relationship with one another. We cannot till the soil of our lives by ourselves. We use God's word and we use God's word in fellowship and relationship with other people. I've asked Dee if she would stand and read for us this morning the next kingdom parable, the parable of the weeds. So with these couple of things in mind, listen as Dee reads this for us. Thanks, D. More weeds. Weeds last week and weeds this week. And I want to suggest to you this morning as we prepare for communion together that we as God's people need to be cautious about our weeding. Sounds a little strange. Let, let me explain. You know, we, uh, we desire, I think... I think all of us desire to, to be that soil. I, I know I do, and I know the hearts of many of you. You, you desire to be that soil that, that produces, you know, bounty and, 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 and abundance for the kingdom that represents God well and brings glory and pleasure to Him. And 
we, I think, can jump in sometime with a vengeance and decide, okay, I've got I've to do the right things and, and I've got to be concerned about the stuff that keeps that abundance from happening. And I think one of the ways that, that we need to be cautious is in terms of the weeds and, and, our, and our weeding. One mom told the story about dragging her teenage son out to help her do the weeding in the flower bed one day. She said, be careful. The weeds are so thick in this one place that you could easily uproot a flower. And if you do, I want you to stick it back in the ground and then tell the flower that you're sorry. (laughs) The son said, come on, mom. I just weed the plants. I don't counsel them. (laughs) It may be true that plants don't need counseling, but the truth is we do. The Proverbs refers to it as, as iron, sharpening iron. The epistles refer to this, this counsel as exhorting and encouraging one another. And, and in, in this field that the farmer has planted, there is, there is an abundance of wheat. And yet in the midst of the wheat, there are these weeds that are growing. What, what does the wheat do? Can we say it that way? Let's stand. Let's read the explanation to this parable. Jesus gave the explanation. And uh, let's, see what, uh, let's see what he tells us about this parable, shall we? Then he left the crowd and went into a house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. My brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Serious stuff. We look at the explanation that Jesus gives and, and we see that it is, it is a big picture of the life of a follower of Christ living in the world, living with others who are in the world, striving for the same thing, living with others who are in the world who are not striving for the same thing. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them something, okay? You're not asking a question this morning. You're telling them. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want to tell, uh, tell them, here's the reason why I'm deserving of God's grace that is represented at the communion table this morning. Okay? Please do that. Turn to your neighbor. Tell him, here's the reason why I'm deserving of God's grace 
represented at the communion table this morning. Okay, are you done? (laughs) I'm hopeful that your neighbor is just sitting there with a panicked look as you're trying to tell him or her why you're deserving of the grace of God. No, no, wait! You're not. You're not deserving of God's grace. Duh. That's the point. None of us is deserving. We've said from the beginning of this study that grace is a mystery. And my friends, as obvious as this may seem, that is why we need one another in our desire to become fully devoted followers of Christ as we commit ourselves to knowing God through His Word and the Spirit begins to open our spiritual eyes to the truth of who God is and the life that He calls us to, we need to inform one another. We need to remind one another. We need to encourage one another. And we walk with one another and we check one another and we caution and we exhort one another. I think the King James uses the old word admonish one another. Whoa. We don't want that. But my friends, if we don't involve ourselves in body life that takes us to that level, then we will never become the abundant soil, the the soil that, that leads to abundance and growth of the values of the kingdom of God, making us attractive for His glory so that others see Jesus. And what will happen is that the weeds will continue to grow. Do you notice that in this parable, Jesus changed the weeds, changed the nature of the weeds. In the parable of the sower, the weeds were the worries of life, as we said a moment ago, and the deceitfulness of wealth. And in the parable that we just read, what are the weeds? Do you remember what he called them? They were people, yes. And in particular, children of the evil one. Now this is a hard theological truth that we have talked about before. Let me just remind you of its importance. You know, this is, a, this is a Romans 7 truth. There is no neutral ground when it comes to the truth of the kingdom of God. Either you are a part of the kingdom or you are not a part of the kingdom. And there aren't varying degrees of not being a part of the kingdom in terms of how God views people. Either you are a child of God, adopted by His grace into His family, or you are, as Jesus identifies them here, you are children of the enemy. It sounds harsh, but it, it's, I think it's a way for us to understand the stakes that are here. It's a way for us to understand that the nicest people that we know aren't in some religious gray area. They're not in some religious neutral zone. If they don't know Jesus, they are children of the enemy, according to Jesus and according to the teaching in the epistles. The nicest children of the enemy that you've ever met. But if they're not committed followers of Jesus, they fall into a camp that Jesus identifies here as children of the evil one. 
And this, I think, is one of the essential reasons that we need one another in our effort to be people who produce this abundant harvest of kingdom values in our lives. We need to be reminded which weeds need to be sprayed and pulled and which ones need to be left alone. Does it just kind of boggle your mind when you read this parable that the owner of the field, who clearly Jesus identifies as God, is patient and willing to wait? I'm not. How about you? Can you think of people in your life who are weedy? People who just kind of pull at you? People who just, by their very presence and their attitude and their mindset and their lifestyle, they, because you give them your attention, threaten to choke the life right out of you like weeds do. Get the roundup out. Squirt those suckers and get rid of them. Unfortunately, that is not the response that Christ calls us to. But it's the one that we want. (laughs) So what do we do? What do we do? Fertilize the weeds. Exactly. When it comes to the weeds in our heart, make no mistake about it. We've got to be ruthless. We have got to attack those babies. No mercy. And, and we need one another to help us identify the weeds, the potential to be caught up in the cares of the world, the potential to be distracted by, by the deceitfulness of, of riches and of wealth. And it's a vulnerable thing to put ourselves into a a place of of accountability and relationship where we trust someone enough who is a brother or sister in Christ to speak truth into our lives. But my friends, if we don't, we will allow the wrong weeds to grow, the weeds of our heart. And I think when it comes to the weeds of our heart, even the pretty ones like bindweed that have pretty little flowers at certain times of the year, we've got to be ruthless. We've got to pull those suckers out. Because if you don't, you know where it goes. And a friend, a brother, a sister helps us in humility and in love and in tenderness identify those weeds that are starting to show a little bit of growth and, and bud in our lives. But when it comes to those people in our lives that are children of the enemy, we are called to be patient as God is patient. We are called to trust. Bad news is, it's just not our responsibility to deal with the weeds of the world. But I want to. I have a whole list of them. Don't you want to see my list? You know, we could compare lists. You know, we want to deal with the weeds of the world. And here's what we forget. Before we were adopted children... We were weeds. We were enemies of God. Albeit nice folks, still enemies of God. And so when we come 
to this table today, my brothers and my sisters, we need to remember, as we have affirmed from the beginning, that grace is a mystery. I don't know why. God, in His love and His grace, decided to to invite me into His family, to make me His child. It certainly wasn't anything in me that swayed His decision. Trust me, I know my heart. And if each of us is honest, we know our hearts. If we remember the standard of holiness that we're talking about, none of us is deserving of that lofty position of being a child of God. We stood as enemies with our fist in his face and God in his love pursued us and brought us into his kingdom, made us his children. Now here's the deal. For all those weeds that are in your life, not in your heart, the weeds that are in your life, He's patient. And Paul says in Romans that, that, that God's patience leads to repentance. And so suddenly we have a different perspective on those weedy folks around us. Amen. We need to deal with the weeds that are in our hearts. Those need to be pulled. Those need to be sprayed. Those need to be regularly yanked. But the weeds that are around us That's God's doing. And our responsibility is to wait and to trust and to pray and to remember. We weren't always recipients and family members around this table. And until he rolls up the curtain of history, and that's certainly what the parable teaches, there will come a time when the the, the curtain is rolled up and God, God's patience is done and his plan is fulfilled and that's when the weeding process will begin. But it's his task. It's his job. And in the meantime, we love and we wait and we pray and we seek to be patient and we seek to show even the weeds around us the abundant life that Christ has called us to so that God in his mysterious grace may suddenly transform that weed into another beautiful flower planted in his kingdom. So I want you to hear the words of invitation this morning as we come to the table. I love these words. I've read them to you before. The invitation is to come to this sacred table. Come not because you must. Come because you may. Come because it's, it's an awesome privilege. Come because grace is a mystery and calls you to celebrate what God has done. Come to testify not that you're righteous, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and you desire to be his true disciple. Come not because you are strong. <laughs> no. Come because you're weak. Not because you have any claim on God's grace, but because in your frailty and sin you stand in constant need of His mercy and His help. Come not to express an opinion, but to seek His presence and to pray for His Spirit. Come because God in His amazing grace has transformed you from weed 
to flower, to beautiful child planted in his 